Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 143 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in today's episode, we catch up with musicians Mickey and Michelle as they continue their journey on the 3,000-kilometre New Zealand Tearoa Trail. Since we first caught up with them in in September 2019, they've completed just over 2,200 kilometres of this great long trail and have around about five to six weeks left to finish on their trip. So today we're going to find out a bit about what they've been up to on their journey, uh, the highs, the lows, the scenery, the people, and so much more. We hope you enjoy. So in today's episode, we catch up with Mickey and Michelle as they start heading towards the end of the Tearoa Trail. Thank you for taking the time to catch up with us. Ah, you're so welcome. Thank you. Okay. Now, it's been five months since we last caught up with you. Where are you now? We're currently in Methven. We are about 750 kilometres from the end of this hike, which I suppose sounds like a lot, but as it's a 3,000-kilometre hike, we kind of feel like we're on the home stretch. Okay. <laughs> okay. And um, now you've taken roughly about five months to get uh, get here, so just a bit, a little over 2,200 2, kilometres. How long do you think it's going to take you to finish off the, the remaining uh, remaining kilometres? Uh, well, our last gig that we have booked is on the 18th of April in Invercargill. So before ideally, then. yeah, we'll finish about a week before. Yeah. Probably. Yep. Okay. So you've really got around about, what, six weeks? What yeah. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Okay. That's not too, that's not too long. So, um, <laughs> okay. So... Uh, I suppose this coming back a bit, uh, just as a reminder, why did you decide to do this trip? Why, what was so special about the Tearoa? It's length. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was looking for a through hike that was longer than the Australian Alps, and I suppose sort of three thousand kilometres or six months is a bit longer than six weeks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and um, New Zealand's just across the pond. For us, uh, uh, you know, yeah. like being Australians, we could do some work if we have to. It's not particularly yeah. difficult to get to and also mountains yeah love of mountains <laughs> I, I must admit I, uh, I so many people love being in the mountains I love looking at mountains but I, I certainly <laughs> don't like walking through them so. I suppose where I'll start off with with this is um, before you started your trip uh, and it's like anybody you would have had a series of expectations about how the trip was going to go what you expected to see um you know your your distances and timings how has reality lived up to your expectations prior to the trip um pretty well actually yeah we've been surprised and we've also had uh, we've surprised people in fact as to how well we're stuck to the schedule (laughs) yeah um we don't it's not like we're we're thinking uh, today the schedule says 21 kilometers, so we have to definitely <laughs> no. do 21 kilometers. But uh, we had we've been planning this trip for almost a year, uh, trying to trying to align our like music touring schedule and our hiking schedule. And 
uh, I think mostly Michelle, to her credit, did a lot of that, and she did a really good job. So, like, often we get into town exactly when we thought we would, yeah. <laughs> and then the venue uh, runners or the people that we're staying with as we're practicing for our gig, they'll say, like, wow, you came exactly when you said you would. <laughs> That that always helps, particularly when you're doing you're trying to do a, a music, as you say, as you say. It's important to make the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was number one. <laughs> so was it? Was it? A, is it as difficult or as easy as you thought it would be? I I think it's kind of similar, yeah, to expectations. I think <laughs> um, it's nothing in it is too much for us. Like you know, where we feel fit and healthy, um, and. Mentally, uh, we knew it was a really long hike, and that's one of the reasons why having uh, you know our other passion music um, involved was so important. Because I think it would be mentally challenging if we didn't have gigs to look forward to and another whole headspace to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've noticed that with um, other trail hikers, they sometimes can just get a bit sort of a bit sort of maybe bored and uh, start doing really a lot of kilometres in order to finish. Yep. But we're sort of happy to just be here and, and sort of yeah. living this lifestyle. So uh, how many how many kilometres are you averaging a day? And I know it's going to vary, but what's the, what's the average sort of kilometres yeah. in a day? When it's – when we – like if we're walking on a road for a long time or if it's a particularly flat day – Probably high 20s, high 20s to sometimes 30. 30, maybe never really more than 35. Yep. And uh, if it's if it's a mountainous day, anywhere from like 13 to 14, 15, maybe yeah. 17. Sometimes, yep. yeah. And so I suppose 20 would be the average. Yeah, I guess kilometers so. that we hike. Yeah. That's okay. That's 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 not yeah. an that's not an unreasonable sort of uh, distance. And as you say, no. you either do it hard and fast, or you take a bit more time and uh, and, and enjoy it a bit more. So everyone everyone's different in, in how they want to yeah. do their hike. You mentioned your music. Um, now, uh, just as a reminder, uh, Michelle plays the harp, and I think Mickey is it the fiddle or the jazz fiddle? What are we What are we calling? <laughs> what do you call fiddle? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fiddle player. Okay, and and how's how the music? How, how is playing the music? You mentioned it. You know, it has been a a bit of a break, and it gives you a chance to get into a different headspace. But how are the logistics of having to be in certain locations? And you know, is it a, a stress uh, that you think, oh, I've got to be here at a certain time, and we need to push, or you you you've, you've allowed things to be a bit more comfortable? Um, I wouldn't say it's not particularly stressful, but I suppose it is an incentive. Um, and one of the things in the planning process, we decided early on that we, it's better to have more time to get to, uh, to get to the venue than to have less time and be like trying to do massive kilometers or hitching or something. Uh, so however, that's kind of translated into us. We generally have too much time, (laughs) which is mostly fine. So it might mean that we, uh, once we realize we're going to get to our gig a week early, we might have a day off somewhere really nice along the hike if we've got enough food, or we might start doing a couple of half days. Yeah, yeah we slow down. Yeah. Um, Which I think has been really integral to also keeping our health and staying, you know, sort of relatively injury-free. Yeah, so we generally have five, four to five days off per gig, and in that time we do a lot of practice. Um, we'd get a lot of sleeping done and we also have to like, we also have to 
plan the next section of the hike and like do our resupply and, and things. So there is like a lengthy break from the uh, physical, yeah from the physical part. Like not many people would take five days off mm. unless they had like an injury. Yeah. But in that time, uh, I think like our bodies heal quite a lot, and yeah, we do get to sort of explore this really creative uh, creative place and. Yeah, it's this. It's I think we mentioned before, but it's a really nice break from the actual trail. Just just on that, then I mean, I know um, uh, I just talked to Lucy Barnard, who's doing her South American trip uh, uh, just recently, and she said one of the issues she has was that um, having breaks, your your body gets used to doing the hiking and the mileage, and, and all of a sudden you have a break, and then you have to restart, and your body has to get used to it again. Is that been an issue for you, or you the breaks are just the right amount of time? I would say, so we had a, about a month off over Christmas and we did a number of gigs then. I guess that one, there was a bit of a restarting, not completely restarting, but yeah, that was, yeah. we haven't done this in a while. But the other breaks, I don't know if they're long enough. They more feel like we're just kind of healing. Yeah. The, the month we took the off, the month we took off over Christmas was, uh, we like hired a car. My mum, my sister came over to see us for Christmas and then, uh, we hired a car and did a lot of gigs that the trail wouldn't ordinarily take us to. Yeah. Uh, so in that time, I think our bodies would have reset a little bit. Like I noticed we weren't eating quite as much. Mm, uh, although I did put on some weight over Christmas. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, but we did lose a bit of our hunger. And then except when we started the Queen Charlotte track on the South Island, it took us like a day or two before we were back to our old, yeah. our old selves. Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 is always the case, isn't it? You, you your body will push through a lot of things that it, it doesn't. Uh, uh, yeah, it's used to, but when all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is new. I've got to start all over again. So, yeah, we also uh, have found that like when when we're allowed to rest, when we have a day off, we usually wake up and we we are really tired, and you you know things might ache more. So you know your feet ache even a couple of days off. Whereas yeah. it's like when you're hiking, you know they. They just have to work, and so it kind of feels like when you have that time off, they're allowed to be sore. <laughs> okay, now since we're talking about that, then uh, now Michelle, you've got osteoporosis. Um, how has that gone uh, with this trip? I mean, I know you were you were thinking about uh, how successful you're going to be, whether you were going to complete the trip. How how's that gone for you? So, um, as osteoporosis is a silent disease, I don't actually know how my bones are being affected by this. Um, I will get a scan at some point, probably later in the year, and then we'll have some actual data in order to, um, yeah, see, you know, you might be able to say, um, has it increased or has this helped or things like that. Um, in terms of every day, we, our food, we're, you know, we're careful to make sure we incorporate some good bone building foods into a hiking diet because, you know, doing six months of this, it's, yeah, it's important to hit those goals with calcium and things like that and vitamin D. Um, I, it's on my mind because this is such a long hike and endurance, um, you know, it's affecting my body is on my mind. And yeah, when I get uh, pains in my foot, um, it's, I'm always aware that it could turn into a stress fracture because I've had two of them from hiking and yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm always planning, uh, plan B, <laughs> what, what I'll do if I get a stress fracture, which, you know, was something we knew going into this hike. And fortunately, you know, it, it hasn't happened yet and hopefully it won't happen with the, the last 700 
50 kilometers. Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I was saying to uh, I was saying to Michelle before the uh, we started this interview, you, you're getting to the end now, uh, and it's uh, you know, you, you're determined to finish now, uh, and you, yeah. you, you've done you've done the bulk of the trip, uh, trying mm. to get through that last little bit without it, yeah, and being able to succeed in the goal you've set yourself. Yeah, I mean that would that would be nice, but I'm also like, you know, I've, yeah, if something were to happen, like we could, I don't know, there's lots of options, you know, like even some people uh, when they have injuries and they want to continue, they ride sections of it. You know, it's a slightly different because it is actually a trail that goes from the top to the bottom, um, a cycling trail. So, yeah, I kind of like how there's always there's sort of different options that you can do in order to complete this full-on hike. <laughs> Okay, and as a now, have you had any other uh, injury issues? Uh, and this includes uh, Mickey as well. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably be been. Fine. <laughs> I'm guessing so, there's probably been blisters somewhere along the line. Yeah. Oh, I can one up for you on blisters. <laughs> um, about a day after our last interview, uh, yep. back in geez, I don't know September. Yep. Um, I broke my toe. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, it's the what they call the ring toe, so second from the end on my left foot. Yep. And I broke it pretty bad. I chipped off a piece of bone <laughs> near the base of the toe. It's all funny now, but it wasn't at the time. <laughs> at the time, it was particularly stressful. Uh, so I kicked it on a metal chair, um, and this was four weeks to the day before we were supposed to start. <laughs> and, yeah, when I got the x-ray, the woman looking at it just said, oh, I hope you're not um, planning on running a marathon anytime soon. And I was like, actually, I am going to hike New Zealand. And she thought I was joking and was just like, <laughs> ha, 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 no, you're not. <laughs> so um, I had to sit the first two weeks of the hike out. Yep. So um, I came over with Michelle. We did the planning. We played on the radio station. And then uh, I sort of floated around Auckland and a few other places with anyone who had like a spare room or or someone needed their cat babysat for a weekend. And so I was just sort of sitting as still as I could trying to heal. Yeah, he was in a moon boot at the time. and um, mm, But uh, six six weeks and one day later, I met her in yeah. Bangaray. We saw a doctor and she gave me the all clear. And then the next day we hiked 27 kilometres. Not yeah. that we'd planned to hike that far. He just felt good. Yeah, <laughs> and it hasn't really given me any grief since like on a long a really long day especially with a lot of road walking it might hurt a little bit but um yeah it's been one of the least things that's hurt <laughs> it, it's interesting actually jill uh jill my wife uh, when we did the layer pinter trail she did something similar she kicked a kicked a stair in bare feet and ended up breaking one of uh-huh. her toes uh and it took a long time to heal up i mean she she didn't have a long break between the hike and uh, yeah. And starting, so uh, but yeah, it took it quite a while to actually heal up. And every time she she knocked it, she certainly knew about it. I think toes are really hard. It's one of those sort of things. that's like, oh yeah, this is this is not it's not a major injury, but it certainly can mm-hmm. impact. You certainly do know about it. So apart from the toe, any other injuries or, or illnesses? Um, nothing particular. No, I guess Mickey rolled his ankle a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I rolled it. Uh, just in this tiny little hole on a piece of flat grass. Yeah. Um, I was going fine and then down I went and, of course, the pack carries you down too. And then yeah. about a week later I was exiting a hut and I stepped on um, a mouldy, um, uh, like a rotted yeah. through step that cracked under me and again down <laughs> I went on the same ankle. <laughs> Apart from that, it's been surprising how little 
little injuries there have been. Yeah, it's just ironic because we'd just been kind of almost skiing down this scree, um, sort oh, of mountains that, so that cool. they have here in New Zealand. And, yep. you know, he's flying ahead and he's fine. And then, you know, of course he rolls his ankle and basically flat ground. <laughs> it, it's it's quite funny, actually. I uh, I, I love scree slopes. I love that. I love that almost, as you say, it's almost a skiing motion where you, yeah. you, you, you're, you're sliding and moving. And it's, but, but so many people hate it. Um, yeah, yeah, we found that too. Like mm. I, was, I was sort of taken by surprise. I didn't really know it existed. And then it's like you just sort of figure out, oh, I can just sort of slide down this mountain. And then after, you know, five minutes, you, it's like you're on a ski slope. <laughs> yeah. It's just so fun. And then I, it was like maybe the highlight of those, that nine-day stretch of really beautiful scenery. And then when we got into the hut that night, the other people were complaining about it. I was like, <laughs> that was the funnest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Yeah. He hasn't actually been skiing. <laughs> I think, I think, as I said, I think for me, you know, we, we had that same comment in Bhutan where we, Jill and I would love this ski slope, uh, scree slope, <laughs> and and the and everybody else was going so slowly and complaining, whereas uphill they were leaving me for dead. So it is, it is surprising. <laughs> so you mentioned resupply earlier on as well. What's what's been the resupply? Um, uh, a strategy for this trip? Have you been just heading into a town and stocking up or have you been mailing stuff ahead of yourself? What, what's the what's the story there? So it, uh, the North Island, I guess, is different from the South Island. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. So the yep. North Island, uh, you it might be a few days and then you're back into a town or a small, you know, shop where you can resupply. We ended up pretty much uh, – always doing about five days uh, of resupply, even if we were going to come into a town. I guess because we felt that five days we were quite comfortable to carry that and it just was um, less time-consuming than going to the supermarket all the time. Yeah. That was, so that our strategy, yeah, was to just do about five days and then walk. Um, of course, that varied. So the, um, probably the, we had to do – the North Island has a really amazing section that goes down the Wanganui River for five days. Yep. And we opted to um, actually do seven days of that, so about like 230 kilometres down this river. Um, so I guess that was our longest stretch of food, but it's a game changer when you're in a canoe <laughs> yep. because you're not carrying it on your back. So we had barrels and it means you could have fresh food and, yeah, that was really mm. that was a really, yeah, fun time, really good highlight actually of the North Island. Um, in the South Island, suddenly, you know, you've got longer stretches. There aren't, you can't come in, into towns in the same way. So we opted to post our food ahead of us um, for the first month. Yeah, 30, 32 days of food. So we, we posted, um, we carried five days of food on the Queen Charlotte track and then we posted nine days of food to be picked up from like a hotel and then two lots of seven days of food and then one day of four. So yeah, and that takes us to where we are now, actually. Yeah, so this is like the first major town we've actually come into since January. Yeah. And I know, I know New Zealand, uh, and, and a lot of New Zealanders don't like it when you say this, but it's, you know, f- f- from a, a logistical point of view, it's pretty much another state of Australia. Um, <laughs> h- how have you found the, the food and, the, um, and, the, uh, and the, the, the roads and everything else? Has it been pretty much like you would expect over here, or is, are there enough differences to make it a, a, bit, a bit different? Well, um, their their version of Woolworths is called a, no, a countdown. It's called countdown, which yeah. has been mind boggling. Yeah, <laughs> yes, the cultural shock is amazing. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, so it's it is very similar in many ways. Um, uh, we also quite like a lot of uh, New Zealanders have confused us for Kiwis. <laughs> yep. 
which we quite like. We enjoy that. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just the big difference is obviously is the mountains. Like you just don't see that much flat plains <laughs> in New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, I guess the highways are a single lane, <laughs> um, um, just then, smaller roads. Yeah, and in terms of like logistical planning, it is you, you can sort of treat it a lot like Australia. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe some of the differences are that because this goes through a lot of small towns, uh, it's there's a lot more variety. And like you, you can't, I think in Australia when we've gone hiking, even to resupply like in a small town, we generally find that like all the Woolies or the, what's the other one called? Coles. The Coles or whatever, <laughs> wherever we go, they tend to be pretty uniform, like in that you can sort of trade them for, you know, any other one in a major city. But then over here, like some of them, like for example, some of the smaller like little grocery stores have really have recognized that they're on a major hiking route now and they've they've got these huge piles of like back country yeah which is mind-boggling or you know a lot of bug spray um (laughs) but yeah then some of them it might just be like a petrol station and they've just got this little shelf that has like a couple of packets of soup and some pasta and it all costs four times as much as what you'd expect yeah, I lived in New Zealand for a couple of years and worked over there, and it's it, it the cost of living is actually quite expensive, which most Australians don't realise. It is. Yeah, yeah we're a bit. Taken I think we've first. actually just gotten used to it now. We've been here for so long. Yeah, we get a, like a nice shock, I guess, when we go home. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's a bit cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> What is a typical day for you? So, you know, and again, I know this, there's, there's not going to be one answer, but when you're out on the trail, what's a typical day start to finish? Um, yeah, wake up with the sun, I suppose. We're not the earliest risers sometimes. You know, hikers are gone before 7 a.m., but we're, you know, 8 a.m. is our usual leaving time. So we usually get up at 6.37 and have – actually, we've been having a cold breakfast, which is – actually really good for saving gas and time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah we leave at about eight and we'll walk for usually at least eight hours i'd say yeah yeah so mm. we'll the first hour and sometimes two hours then we'll have like some sort of nut or muesli bar and then it's another two hours till lunchish. yep and then uh yeah we we tend to have a bigger lunch uh where we'll have yeah. like Cheese, crackers, salami, peanut butter, and uh, and then it'll be... We usually have about an hour off at lunch. Yeah, and then after that, usually another four hours of walking. Um, we like to get into a hut around five, um, yeah. but often it's six or seven well, or eight. It, it, it can stretch on and then everyone gets a bit hungry and angry. <laughs> it, does, it does depend on how many fun things there are to do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm maybe... I guess I'm partial to dawdling, and if there's a river to swim in or a waterfall to look at, I like I want to do every side trip that we can. Yep. And you know, if that means we don't get into the hut, you know, till eight, I don't really care because all the huts are more or less the same. We've seen the same people. I want to see the waterfall. Uh, so how's that go with you, Michelle? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I I guess I can get a bit sort of uh, you know a tunnel vision set on getting to a location or. Maybe I'm sort of more motivated by food. I'm not sure. <laughs> Definitely finding that I'm hungry all the time. Yeah. I want to. Yeah, I want to get to dinner. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I really. It is really nice to have someone to remind me to yeah to go and do a side trip and to take the breaks, and then it's all actually about the journey and not just getting in at nighttime. 
<laughs> it's, it sounds like you've got the time up, time up your sleeve, so it's not as if you, you've got to be yeah. there and you've got, to, you've got to do the big miles to do it. So, yeah. so what, time do you, what time do you typically go to bed? Um, mm. Something like 8 <laughs> to yeah. 9 p.m. We, we call 8 p.m. hikers midnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, to, to be fair, though, the, the, it's so light around yeah. here. I mean, I'm sure it's similar in Australia, but especially the south we get, the later it's staying yeah. lighter. Later it's lighter. Which is great if you're running late or if the weather kept you somewhere and you <laughs> yeah. have to walk late. For example, we haven't changed the batteries in our head torches yet. It's um, a whole trip. For the entire trip <laughs> because we just don't use them. No, they're hardly getting used. That's pretty good. Now, you mentioned the, you mentioned the huts. Are you staying in huts or are you staying in, uh, in tents? What's the, or a bit of a mix? Well, in the North Island, we stayed in our tent almost every night. Um, there were maybe three huts. Oh, sorry, I'm wrong. There were maybe five huts <laughs> total. So we paid for a backcountry hut pass, which in, it was $90 each, and it entitles you to six months of staying in all the huts for free. Okay. All the huts not all on a back, great walk. All the yeah. backcountry huts, yeah. yes, which there are hundreds of them, but a lot, like predominantly they're in the South Island. Yeah, so almost every night in the North Island we were staying at like a holiday park that had a camping section. And that really surprised us. Um, we didn't realize it would be so much of that and very little freedom camping. So we, yeah, we spent a lot of money doing that and we didn't realize that. That was definitely one of the most surprising things budget-wise. Yeah, yeah, we did know that um, they, they do say that on this hike it is, it is not, you know, you need to have some money to do this hike and they suggest like seven to $10,000 per person because, yeah, it, Cost money, and there in the South Island, there's a lot more free freedom camping and huts you can stay in. But North Island is a lot of caravan parks. Yeah, yeah. In the uh, in the North, sorry, in the South Island, we've you you could stay in a hut every night if you wanted to, almost pretty much. Yeah, I can think so of far. like three times maybe yeah. where you can't. Uh, we generally prefer to stay in our tent a little bit more because we mm. have a really nice tent, and also <laughs> it means you're not subject to people getting up in the middle of the night or staying up late talking. And we can also just zip everything up and kill every bug that's made. It's way <laughs> so interesting. The sandflies have been a shock. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're, awful. They're, yeah, they're amazingly awful. And there's so many, especially in the South Island. And so uh, tent is a way to kind of control that situation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're like comparable to the flies on the Lara Pinta if the flies could like bite you and leave you with a welt that lasts for two weeks. <laughs> so I'm reacting particularly bad to them. Some people, especially the the Kiwis who live here already, they, they just don't really mind them. They get bitten and it doesn't yeah. flare up. But uh, they have been shockingly bad. I must admit it's something I really haven't thought about. I When I was living over there, I was living in Auckland and I did travel around, but uh, um, it was, you know, the insects never seemed to bother me over there. But I, I must admit I wasn't out in the areas that you are, so it's good yeah. to know. Yeah, they're, um, they're full on. The other thing is that it's actually been really hot here and so the huts also um, get really quite hot and because of the sandflies, you can't open up the windows so they're these little hot houses that are – Hopefully, going to get a bit cooler over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and and as you say, I mean, having the tent is often not a bad option because you can actually, as you say, once you've got all the insects out of the tent, you can have a bit of airflow and yeah, um, exactly, it's your own space. What about the weather? Um, you know, has the weather been good overall, or have you had a lot of rain, or what, what's it been like? We've 
Yeah, we've been really lucky with the weather, actually. Um, there has been rain, but so far, well, at least most of the time, the rain seemed to come when we were taking time off to play at a gig, <laughs> which was just amazing timing. Um, we got a little held up uh, the last week in Arthur's Pass uh, because oh, of yeah. the uh, end of Cyclone, Cy- Dennis. Cyclone Dennis, which I think came through Queensland. Yep. Um, and, look, it wasn't really a cyclone here. It was definitely <laughs> just a rain storm um but yeah that was it was actually really nice we just had a a few forced days off um which was good because yet again we were um on schedule to get into methven and our gig too early uh what it did mean though is that of course all the rivers rose and there's this um quite full-on river called deception river that we needed to cross like we'd hit um we'd where the trail came close to the road we had left so we left about 30 kilometers too early to sit out this storm and then when we came back, we um, left it a couple of days and we tried to cross the river, but it was too high. And we got about three quarters of the way through the river when we um, decided that it was too dangerous and then we backed out of it. Took another day off. Yeah. <laughs> we ended up actually hiking that section Nobo, so yeah. reverse to what we've been doing to give that river 48 hours to lower and it was a whole different river. Yeah. And we could cross it. I think that's the thing sometimes. People get so focused on I've got to cross, I've got to cross, uh, and, yeah. and, and sometimes you make the wrong wrong choice, um, which can be quite dangerous. So I think uh, yeah. having the sense to say no, enough's enough, we'll, mm. we'll need to look at an alternative or delay the timing. And, and as yeah. you said, for the, for the sake of a day or two, it can make a huge difference if the, the water's running quite big on oh, some rivers. Amazing. Like we actually, I could cross it by myself. Was we had three people trying, like you know, using this uh, mutual support method, trying to cross this river. You know, it's forty-eight hours early, and we couldn't do it. Yeah. So yeah, just wait it out basically. And the thing is, is that uh, rivers are actually, I think, the one of the biggest killers of um, hikers in New Zealand. Yeah, that's not surprising actually. It's um, as I said, people people pushing further than they should do, and yeah. and sometimes they pay the price. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now you mentioned people. So are you seeing a lot of people on the trail or are you, are you seeing the same people on the trail? What's the story um, there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hi. Yeah. Uh, so last year there were around 1,200 TA hikers. Yep. And this hike's only been going for about 10 years. And someone actually told us this year they think it's closer to 2,000. So it's really exploding uh yeah in popularity and we started because uh because we're taking about five days off per gig and we have 20 gigs along the trail that means that we uh like the the amount of time we have to take off to prepare to perform actually puts us we had to start at the very beginning of the season and we'll be finishing right at the end so and then because we're not the fastest walkers and we take so much time off, almost every other hiker is going to pass us at some <laughs> point or other. So we started off with this really uh, tight group of cool people and then we had our first gig, but they're not they going to finish the hike. Yeah, even though <laughs> even though they've like heard a lot about music and they want to hear us play, they're not going to stick around for five days in a yeah. town. So they keep yeah. going and then you play your gig and then you start again and you meet another new cool batch of people. Mm. So um yeah, because because we just did a month of of food drops, uh, we I guess we've spent the longest time with mm. a group of people so far. In fact, some fans of the podcast 
Um, someone recognised us. Justin and Amina, two hikers from Brisbane, recognised us. And we've had a few other of your fans recognise mm. us just from the, this podcast. Uh, we've just been kind of nice. So we, we did have this, like, lovely group of Europeans, Australians and Americans. Yeah, and Americans uh, for the last 32 days. And we're a bit sad to see some of them move on. Well, it's, it's it's interesting to hear. I mean, I know it's certainly it's uh, as you say, it's a trail. It's graining in popularity. It's it's close to Australia, so it's you know, it, and, and the airfares are relatively cheap, and it's it's very familiar. So, I, I think it, it's just going to continue to grow and grow in popularity over the over the coming years. I think so. Okay, now um, we briefly mentioned. You gain, Mickey, you gaining weight when you're stopping for a month. Are you actually losing weight while you're out hiking? Well, it's funny you say that because we weighed ourselves today, oh, yesterday, and we haven't put on a kilo or lost one either. We stayed exactly the same since the start of this trip, which. Yeah, but you may however, some over Christmas. Oh, yeah, over it. Christmas. <laughs> but uh, uh, what's, our bodies have changed They're a lot, though. Yeah. So we've, uh, like, our pants are falling off us. <laughs> I've, I've had to redo the button on my shorts to make it a lot tighter. And even now it's already like they still fall down. Um, so with a lot of our like tummy weight and upper body, I know we've both lost a bit from our arms yep. of muscle has gone just straight to our legs and bum. <laughs> it's all lower down. It's now. all we're using. Yeah. yeah. Although um, I think you were saying uh, last time, Tim, that it does seem to affect males and females differently. Yeah. And, yeah, I would say that I have had less of a change than yeah. Mickey has. Um, yeah, but I'm literally the same weight as the start. Yeah, I think females females will tone up and they'll look, they'll lose a bit of weight, but not a huge amount. Guys will, you know, particularly if you were, weren't taking the breaks, um, there would be quite mm-hmm. a big weight drop, which is you know, it's, yeah. it's just a, a male male. Uh, um, uh, male thing of how our, our, bi- our biology works. We just it can be an issue sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Now, what about the scenery? So, what's that been like on the trail? I mean, you've you've got you've done over two thousand kilometres. Uh, how? I mean, and and again, New Zealand's not just one 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 type of scenery. So, what's it been like from from where you've started to where you are now? Mm, well, where we started, where I started, was a uh, hundred kilometres on a beach. <laughs> yeah. Which was beautiful, but it's far too long to spend on a beach, a flat beach. <laughs> just going in the one direction. Um, so, yeah, that was gorgeous, but uh, I'm sort of glad that that ended after four or five days. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was into – the North Island has a lot of, uh, I guess, forests um, that, you know, under a 1,000 metres that are very uh, muddy, I guess, and kind of, you know, because there's so much rain yep. in New Zealand. So they're quite muddy and dense. And there was quite, you know, you would, you would spend like a day or two in that sort of forest and then you would come out into a town and then you would spend some time walking through like paddocks. There's quite a, the trail goes through quite a lot of farmer's land um, because in the North Island there just isn't a, you know, there isn't bush or a forest that connect national parks that go all the way through. So you would end up a couple of days in that sort of forest, then you would go back um, through the towns, some road walking, and then inevitably there would be some beach walking. <laughs> Yeah. But everyone's all a little bit kind of scarred from the, the you know, the first 100 kilometres on Cape Ranga. So it was like, oh, not another beach. But they're actually very, very beautiful. Yeah. They're, it's um, it's comparable to Australia, mm. except for that 
uh, you'll be walking along the beach and then there's just suddenly this giant mountain right next to it, <laughs> which we just don't we really don't have, have in that. the same way. No. Um, so, yeah, that was, I guess, sort of the North the North Island, although it does have some high mountains and obviously some snow mountains like um, the Tongariro Crossing, which is very uh, popular. Astonishing, yeah. yeah. Which um, is Mount Doom for any Lord of the Rings fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, the Wanganui River, which was amazing to travel 230 kilometres on a river from, you know, basically the tributary or the start of it, you know, through to the ocean. And you were saying you're doing that by canoe, was it? Yeah. yeah. So that's actually what the trail does. Um, we opted to spend longer on it because we just liked the idea of ha- having a break from hiking on our feet. And just also we'd heard that the the more fun part with the more rapids was at the start. Um, at the, the start, optional two days that yeah. we did. Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of fun rapids and yeah, and the the river in particular is really cool because you start off in a really populated area where there's like you're essentially um, paddling through like a river that goes through a bunch of paddocks and there's cows and mm. sheep and goats and whatever. And then uh, as you go further, like the the protected forest comes mm. in, like you're going through that, and like suddenly that. It's so dense, and the trees are like sort of spilling over the sides of the mm. of the banks, and um, there's these like incredibly big waterfalls, and like so many of them as well. It's just like, I mean, you don't get sick of waterfalls, but you do stop pointing them out after a while <laughs> because there are just so many. Yeah. Mm. And then what? Well, there's the the um, the Tararuas, which is the sort mm. of first real sort of mountain range. Alpine. Yeah, mountain above range. a thousand. And um, in if, the North Island, if you were to compare them to Australia, I think the standout difference, apart from just there being a lot more water, is <laughs> that they're so everything is green and soft and spongy. Yeah, like, yeah but also so angular. Like, oh you know, yeah, everything is you know geographically so much newer than Australia. So all the mountains are very pointy. <laughs> yeah, um, and so like even around like eight hundred meters of elevation to a thousand, mm. like. Just all the trees will be covered in moss. So, like, mm. you're not going to scratch yourself on anything. Like, the ground is covered in, like, soft, dead leaves mm. with, like, spongy dirt. And, ev- and like, if you want to stop to sit down, like, you sit down on that pile of soft, undisturbed moss. And it's just, like, <laughs> it's very inviting. And it would be more so if it wasn't, like, 35 degrees when we did it and incredible elevation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing with New Zealand. It's sort of uh, – um, it's – it, because of where it is, the you tend to you know, it may not be as hot as the middle of summer in Australia, yeah. but you just seem yeah. to burn so much more easily than you do over here. So uh, yeah, the yeah. sun yeah the sun has a certain heat to it. <laughs> That's yeah, sure. and especially being Australian, we we feel like we've sort of got this advantage with our sort of upbringing where our parents were always you know, put on sunscreen, like cover up. You've got to do it. Like that's what school said as well. And then we see these Americans and yeah. Europeans hiking without a hat and <laughs> in a singlet and not putting on sunscreen or sunbaking afterwards. And we're, and we're sort of, you know, uh, feeling a bit like proud of ourselves going, like, oh, you're, you know, you're in trouble. But then even if you're, even if you're not careful, like just walking down the street to, <laughs> you know, to get a coffee or something when we get into town, you've still got to like really rug up or you can burn. Yeah. Yeah, no, it can be a real issue. So when you, you were saying you're expecting to finish sometime in May by the sound of it? April. April. April, yeah. so. Um, the 18th. Okay. And uh, where's the finish point for this trail? So it's in Bluff, which is, I don't know, somewhere below Invercargill. 
Yep, I've been to Bluff a couple, a couple of oh, times. It's oh, okay. uh, um, You've got to try the oyster and beef pies. That's uh, what we've heard. Yeah. <laughs> oysters, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the thing I liked about New Zealand. Their, their cheap and nasty pies leave anything in Australia for dead. They really, you know, their service station pies are spectacular. So We've had uh, some great pies. Yeah, we've yeah, done the pie tour. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one final thing, yeah. Is there anything? What's been the highlight of the trip so far for you? Oh, Whoa. <laughs> has has there been one that really stands out, or it's just it's just everything's been pretty spectacular? Okay, in terms of hiking, I would say um, the Richmond Ranges, followed by uh, Blue Lake, or the was it the Wayu Pass? Yeah, that Wayu was, Pass. Um, yeah, I think that was our favourite section of hiking for the Tower of Boa. Visually spectacular and like yeah. really fun climbs. Yeah. Is that um, North, North Island or South Island? South Island. Yep. Yeah, South Island. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mountains that have little bits of snow on them still, you know, even in February. And just, yes. yeah, so spectacular. Um, and I would also say uh, we going into the North Island, we knew it wasn't going to be as visually extreme. Mm. Um, yeah. But we were really sort of surprised and taken by the, the I guess, the cultural exchange um, because you meet so many people and uh, there's this, like, fantastic organisation of people called the Trail Angels and they're more or less um, people who live along the trail and they've stuck their hand up and said, oh, yeah, hikers can, like, sleep in my backyard or I've got, like, a spare bed if anyone wants it or you can use a shower and some people, you know, want 5 or $10 and some people will do it for free. And we've stayed with a lot of them, and it's so much nicer than just rocking up to a to a holiday park and they go, right, oh, your spot's over there, you know. Um, and so, like, getting to talk to these people was just, like, really, really wonderful. And I think um, having, like, our music along with us that we can give them a copy of is, like, it's nice to be able to give back, and then suddenly they're giving us, like, their chook's eggs or their goat's milk or, like, one one couple ran a glowworm touring company in Waitomo and at 9pm their son was like, you know, after he'd already made us nachos and given us a few beers, was like, righto, you want to go see the worms? So like at 9pm, even though we were so ready for bed, we went down <laughs> and, and like he took us in a boat underwater, uh, a boat on the water <laughs> in a cave and like got to see this, you know, it's just like stars in the night. It was really cool. So like, yeah, we knew the North Island wasn't going to be as visually spectacular, but we were really surprised with like how the people, the people, and the social yeah, interactions the we had. What about the lowlights? So apart from the the broken toe, um, <laughs> what's what's been the lowlights of the trip? Hmm. So I got um, after my four days on that beach at the start, I got some nasty blisters, probably the worst blisters I've, I've had, um, just from the pressure of walking on the sand for so long. And yeah, that was that was tough, you know. I was in tears at one point. <laughs> and the thing was is that they didn't actually get infected and I took two days off and they healed and it was fine. But it's just, you know, I it's just full on when you're just starting out this whole trip and your feet feel that sore. <laughs> so I'd say the, that was a Was the sand a soft sand or a compacted sand or or mixture? Uh, it varied actually and sometimes so you have to be careful with the tides, because uh, you couldn't really walk at one point, like, you know, the water would come up so high. And so I guess, yeah, it, it, sometimes the water would mean that you have to walk on different types of sand than you would probably choose to, or sometimes you'd have to walk in the dunes because the tide had come up yeah. so high. Um, but it was interesting, uh, 
So I don't, you know, normally get blisters while hiking. In fact, I haven't really had blisters since that first that first four days. But um, one of the um, the guys at the caravan park about 40 kilometres into the hike was telling me that even people going the other way, so nobos who have done, you know, nearly 3,000 kilometres of hiking, they've got the last 100 to go, actually they often get blisters on the beach as well, even though they're, yeah, you know, you would think that their feet would be in perfect condition. So it's something to do with that sand and how it's a bit different, I guess, underfoot. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's uh... – I mean, I, I must admit, I a hundred kilometres of beach. Yeah, if it's on compacted sand, I'm happy with that. If it's on soft sand, it's not not a good experience. <laughs> yeah, that was tough, um, and it's also mentally really tough to just have, yeah, just the same view, endless view for four days. But you know, I, I did know this going into it, and yeah, it's oh. it's in the past. <laughs> Okay, and uh, so before we finish off then, any any final thoughts you'd like to pass on to people listening? Ah, oh, jeez. I don't know. I can't recommend the hike strongly enough. Yeah. It's been like, yeah, I mean, we've been doing it for a long time. It's sort of just become a lifestyle now. Yeah. Um, like you wake up, you walk, every now and then you play. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been really, really special. Um, I, I think maybe since the last time, We've been on this show. We've put a lot of work into our website. So if anyone wants to check out www.mickeymichelle, Mickey yeah. like the mouse, Michelle like the Beatles song. Um, <laughs> we've, For example, we've released our first album since then. Yep. And uh, that you can check that out on our website yeah. as well as like our pictures from the thing. Yeah, we also have a, um, a donate button to osteoporosis as a raising awareness of osteoporosis along the hike if anyone Okay. Like to shoot some money towards that. All right, I'll go through and put the link in the show notes uh, for both your Thank website you. and the and the uh, and the donate button as well. So if people want to see uh, to listen to Mickey and Michelle's music, which I must admit I quite like, um, uh-huh. as, as well as uh, um, uh, to, to see some of the photos, um, uh, we'll go. As I said, the links will be on the show notes. Brilliant. Okay, so thank you very much for your time, Mickey and Michelle. Uh, thank you so Thanks much for having us. Okay, so that was our catch-up with Mickey and Michelle, who are currently making their way towards the end of the Teharoa Trail in New Zealand. As we mentioned at the start of this trip, this is New Zealand's premier long-distance trail, 3,000 kilometres from the top of the North Island right the way through to the bottom of the South Island. Um, And as Mickey and Michelle mentioned through the episode, they were estimating that approximately 2,000 people have done the trail this year. Uh, and that's you know that's becoming very very busy and very very popular, and I think for a lot of Australians in particular, um, you know those that are into the long distance trails uh, have heard about things like the the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail in the United States, but being able to do a long distance trail of similar sorts of distance, much closer to home, um, is is probably a bit more. Uh, um, on people's radar than trying to go to a, a, a different country, albeit, albeit the United States, and having to deal with visas and, and, and time limits within New the country. New Zealand is a different country. Just yeah, to, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think from a logistical point Hello of view. Hello to all our New Zealand yeah, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I think from a logistical point of view, you know, given our, our, our 
uh, arrangements that we can go over there and not have to worry about being out of the country in certain times. It does make it a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, it is a long way and, and I know that they're uh, playing their music um, and doing gigs as they go. Um, but, uh, y- you know, essentially, what, five months to do a couple of thousand kilometres, that's, you, you know, that's that's a that's – a, uh, it's an adventure, but it's also a bit of a luxury, I think, for a lot of people as well to be able to cover that sort of distance, even in that kind of time frame. And I think from, you know, certainly from Michelle's point of view, as, as she mentioned throughout the episode, she does have um, uh, uh, osteoporosis, and particularly for someone who's, you know, I think don't even think she was 30 at the time she started the hike or she was just around that age. Um, so it's a you know it's an it's a, a disease you expect with older people, not with someone who's fairly young. Yeah, and good on. I mean, you know, she's she's definitely out there, and uh, you know, it was interesting to listen to what she was saying about um, don't they won't know the 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 real impact of of the hike uh, until she has some scans when uh, she finishes. But you know, she's doing okay, feeling good, eating well, and uh, she's. Continues to move. And I think the other thing as well with the time that they are taking, you know, they're, they're taking the time. They, as I said, they're averaging around about twenty kilometres a day, which is which is not bad uh, for most people. And well, uh, over three thousand kilometres, that's still a lot of walking. <laughs> it's still a lot of walking. But I think they're they're taking their time and they're 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 stopping to smell the roses. They, uh, yeah, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they are now they are doing the tourist thing and look. Rather than saying, "Look, I've got to do twenty or thirty or forty kilometres today," they are taking their time and, and looking at things. So, in that respect, if you've got the time, you know, I, I do like doing the big kilometres in short periods because I've I've my my job doesn't allow me to take that length of time. But if you've got the time, um, it's it's not a bad way to do it. So this is the destination or the journey, and I think what they're doing is the destination with the journey. Yeah, I think so. I think they're definitely getting the the best of both worlds. Now, we mentioned, as I said, logistically, um, New Zealand and Australia are very similar. Um, So for them to go over, and I I know I lived in New Zealand for a couple of years, and I know know what upset New Zealand is when you say that. But, you know, the the whole concept of going over there, it's, it's, you know, the supermarkets are very similar, the the lifestyle is very similar. Um, So I think on average, you know, the average New Zealander is is really friendly, they're really helpful, and and it's showing with the trail angels uh, that are present on a lot of the long-distance trails where people will offer them, you know, if you want to sleep, put a tent up in the backyard or have a shower, and and sometimes they're charging a small amount of money to do it. But it's a it's a it's a good way, and, and it's a good way to meet people and to be immersed into a different culture. the The interesting thing that Mickey Michelle mentioned was um, a bit about the supermarkets, and and this was something I noticed when I lived over there. You go into a version of our large supermarkets here in Australia. And the range in the big New Zealand supermarkets is just mind blowing. It's it's it, it, on average it tends to be so much wider, and and you've got so much a a broad range compared to uh, even our big supermarkets here in Australia, which is which is surprising. I have to say, you know, I would I I do agree with that. Um, I think the the alcohol choices, though, I think were not so good, and it was a while ago. I must admit. Um, but particularly if you were interested and, you know, I guess 
If you were in New Zealand, there's no reason why you wouldn't um, drink New Zealand wine. But if you actually wanted to drink Australian wine, there weren't very many good options <laughs> available. Maybe that was deliberate. I don't know. I don't know. And I think the other thing as well, I mean, the, while the range is very good, the, the cost of living in New Zealand is much higher than, than uh, Australia. Um, so it's it, you do tend to notice the prices. Yeah, I was a, a bit interested in what Michelle was saying about how much money that you would need. And I guess it sounded like a lot of money, um, but... You know, it's also a long period of time. So if you have a, if you had a look at how much it would cost you to live at home for six or eight months, um, it probably would would be similar, if not more. They talked about the scenery, and, and unsurprisingly, the scenery in New Zealand, particularly in the South Island, is spectacular. Uh, and 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 going through. The length of the country, which is on, you know, on a three thousand kilometre trail, you're getting almost tropical sort of rainforests yeah, yeah. through to you know snow capped mountains um, and rural farmlands to to town areas. So it's it, it is um, a good opportunity to see uh, what New Zealand has to offer at a, at a, a reasonable sort of pace. Uh, and as they said, they had a a, a distance of. Um, canoeing, which was part of uh, the trail as well. Uh, and I must admit, I didn't realise that before talking to them. Um, but, you know, it's an opportunity. So what's the definition of a trail on water? I, I, there must be a, a word for that other than canoeing. But anyway, yeah, no, I think it's it's one thing that I think that some of the trails around the world do have uh, canoeing options. Um, but I think most people, if you're, if you're being a purist, you would probably find a way to walk it. Um, but you know, this walk is, on water. Walk, yeah, walk on water. But uh, I think this certainly, uh, you know, there is, is an opportunity to to do the canoeing and have a bit of a difference. Um, yeah, and she also talked about walking on the beach for uh, was four, it? Days. Four, four days, four days, five days, days at wow. start. Uh, yeah. That's a hard, hard, day, hard way to start at a hike. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you did remind me of my broken toe on the Lara Pinta Trail. That was a couple of days prior to. Uh, departure and I'd forgotten all about it and uh, while it wasn't uh, bad enough for me to have a moon boot, I just taped my toe to other toes uh, to keep it still and uh, off I went. So as we interviewed Mickey and Michelle, which was roughly about 10 days ago from this podcast being released, they have actually started back up again. Uh, They're expecting to finish around about the second or third week in April, uh, so they have to be in uh, um, uh, their last gig is, I think they said it was on about the 18th of April, so they're, they're finishing, uh, they said hopefully about a week before that. Um, we will hope to catch up with Mickey and Michelle uh, at the end of this trip to see how they went, um, and we'll just be a, a shorter catch-up just to see how the last 700-odd kilometres went. Um, if you go to the show notes on the Australian Hiker website. Um, we've got a map showing where they are at the time of the interview, uh, a links to their website and to their music. And I must admit, I do like their music, so uh, have a listen to that while you're there. And as Michelle said, there's also got a link to donate to uh, osteoporosis research if you're interested in helping out with that as well. So... Um, We've got all the maybe inf- buy some of their music. Though, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've also got links to the Tayaroa Trail. So if you're interested in doing this trail, want to find out a bit more about it, uh, we've got the links to that as well. 
In next week's episode, we're going to be listening to my very recent Bondi to Manly walk, which I completed in the, uh, the second weekend in March. Um, and that's an 80-kilometer urban hike uh, around Sydney Harbour. And this is this is a trail that will go into our top 10 list. It really is probably one of the best sub 100 kilometer trails that I've done in a long time Mm-mm. really very enjoyable so and, and not to be confused with the manly to Bondi <laughs> version which is the one you actually did I did yeah <laughs> I, did, I did it backwards and I'll explain that next week um, so have a look at listen to that as well uh, and that'll be next week that's all for me bye for now and bye from me <laughs>